Welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Hello and welcome to the Good Divorce Show. I'm your host, Karen McNinney, where we help you find a path that's less destructive, less dismal, and hopefully with less debt as well. We know divorce can be a very heavy load for most folks out there, and we are here to help you find your path to a good divorce. Ironically today, my guest would probably put herself in the not-so-good divorce club, but has taken that experience and transformed it into an entire platform of services and support for individuals just like you listeners, where you may be able to transform your own divorce experience. Joining me today is Jill Barnett Kaufman. She is a licensed clinical social worker, a licensed therapist, divorce coach, author, and co-parenting expert. And as I mentioned, after going through her own difficult divorce, she made it her life's mission to help others not to have it so difficult. Her book, you can find online, I'm Getting Divorced, Now What? And her transformative group coaching programs help parents navigate the overwhelming process of divorce with less stress, more confidence, and just a greater sense of peace, which sounds awesome. And I'm also happy to report, uh, even after 10 years uh, post-divorce now, Jill is recently remarried, mother of three adult children and three adult stepchildren. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. My pleasure. Take us back in time. I think as we begin talking about the good divorce, sometimes people think, who are all these folks who didn't have any challenges or any struggles and suddenly they're enjoying graduation together? And that it is it is not an on-off switch. It's a dimmer switch of evolution. And we'd like to hear a little bit about the journey that you came through. Sure. So um, yes, in the beginning, in the very beginning, it was good. You know, we both decided we were going to do this amicably and, you know, we had really good intentions. Um, but then I hired. Uh, and I'm, I just am going to clarify. I should have done this first because I think people are always curious. Were you married for two weeks or two <laughs> years? Sort of the context. of. So we were married for 20. Yeah. 20 years in mm-hmm. long term marriage, three kids. Um, at the time, they were 18, 16 and 12. We did have really good intentions that we wanted um, to divorce amicably, but I um, didn't really know what I was doing, um, not thinking clearly. And I hired an attorney. And when he found out I hired an attorney, he hired an attorney and we were off to the bad divorce. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? You know, we need our legal system to guide us through the complex journey, but I do think there can be a propensity for lawyers to hijack the story. Yeah. And I don't blame my attorney a hundred percent because she was really trying to help me. And, but, you know, the, like you said, she wanted me to get what I was entitled to. And um, it, it really didn't work with my ex. It was very confrontational during that time. Oh, I'm so Um, sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, but, you know, like you said, we did come out of it. um, And, and the way I came out of it was not listening to my attorney. She actually made me sign something that said, I do not advise you to take this deal. And um, I did, we, we finalized our divorce and, you know, over 10 years later, I'm perfectly happy with the deal. So, you know, I figured out how to get through my divorce, you know, very painfully, but I figured it out. And that's what I help other people do without the pain, because you don't need to have that much pain. And I think that's a great reminder for our listeners that one, we're trying to help people skip over the painful parts and know that there is a long arc to these stories. You're 10 years post-divorce. Let's just leap ahead real quick. How would you describe the relationship today? Oh, we get along great. We we just celebrated my son's graduation from college in um, April, end of April. He graduated from University of Michigan. 
And I was there with my husband and he was there with his girlfriend and his parents. And we spent the whole weekend together, every meal, every, everything. And um, we get along really well. Oh, that is wonderful. We're going to hear more about how the family looks currently, but even in the midst of divorce, you know, those events like graduations and bar mitzvahs and weddings, they're still happening. And often as a family, we still have to show up. Take us back to one of those struggling moments. So um, my youngest was getting his, you know, having his bar mitzvah as we were negotiating our divorce. We were living in the same house, (laughs) which is- Oh, those are challenging. Oh, Not fun, not fun times, um, especially when you're not getting along. You know, then when we were talking about the bar mitzvah, um, he just did not think that it would be something to celebrate as we're going through divorce. He had a different point of view. He wanted to be very small, just family. And um, I was like, our other two kids had these huge like parties. How do we not do that for our third child? And so we we figured it out, you know, we did, you know, have a party. He, he had a ton of friends. So we focused on like the kids' friends and we invited some of the adults too. And it ended up to be a good experience for him, you know? So that was the, the main focus. I mean, we were both not the happiest of people, but we put on a good show and he had a great time and, and we got through it, but you know, you have to deal with that kind of stuff. That's right. And as you said, your your son was the one deserving of two parents who could show up together on his behalf on that day. You have worked with so many folks going through divorce through your Thriving Through Divorce program, as well as individual coaching that you provide. In that before stage, as people are approaching the decision And I think we often know our truth long before we speak it. There is nothing easy about it. And that can, you know, send some of us who are walking down that path into a place of feeling shame or isolation. Were there things that you have learned along the way in terms of self-care, how we communicate with our friends and family, how you advise others, even as they're, even before they've called the lawyer? What can we do to help prepare ourselves for a good divorce? Yeah, I mean, it is the most difficult experience that anyone goes through, really one of the most difficult. And there is so much self-judgment that when some people, other people judge you, it's just devastating, you know? So there are going to be those people, most people have to deal with people who are, you know, judging you for what you're doing. I was really yearning for someone else going through divorce and none of my friends, they were all married and they did not understand. And, you know, as I've developed this program that I have, um, that's one of the key components is having other people who are, who can understand what you're going through, who can relate, who you hear their stories, you talk about your stories and that is so healing that I wish I had. And as you work with your client groups and recognizing that there are those who were the left and those that were the leaving, how do you identify those experiences different and and how can we better understand each other in the process, regardless of our role? So the person who is leaving has processed this for much longer than the person who is being left. And in some cases they haven't processed it at all you know, but they, they are, and, and my ex actually said that to me. He said, you are so much more, um, beyond where I am emotionally, um, because you're thinking about it. The average person thinks about divorce for seven years. Um, so there are people who think less and people who think more, and that's how difficult a decision it is. The person who's leaving has thought about it, has processed it, is feeling differently because they're farther along in the process. I mean, it doesn't mean it's easy because, you know, no matter how far along in the process of healing you are, when you actually do it, it is devastating. And that's what I was a little bit surprised about. I like when we actually decided it and both said, you know, this is what we're doing. 
I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was like in a state that was, I was barely functioning, even though I had processed it more than he had. Mm -hmm. I refer to that stage as the packing the psychological parachute. Often it is one of the partners in the marriage who has been thinking about what would we do financially? Where would we live? How would the kids go? We start very subtly talking to other friends or family members who've been through divorce because it's so unknown. And, And what we primarily know, what is primarily promoted and broadcast through media and film and TV is lawyer up, become enemies, take each other down. And don't talk to each other, certainly not on your child's wedding day. And that just sounds like a nightmare. And we are here to let our listeners know it does not have to go down that way. There are many other options. And I would also say for those that are leaving, as you've identified, Jill, that to have some grace and sensitivity to your partner who's catching up to you. Yes. But I think having that perspective is so important because it will allow you to um, let go of all of what you're in, all the feelings that you're in and, and kind of think about the other person and that, you know, it's better for you if you're both communicating and functioning. And so thinking about them and having empathy for them is really helpful. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about the conversation you had with your kids. I think that comes up a lot of how do we talk to the kids? What's the right age? Should we wait for they all go to college? Should we start before they go to school? Does it matter? Uh, and through your therapeutic lens, I suspect that you have some recommendations and thoughts about where we are developmentally as we have this conversation with our kids, what age they are. Absolutely. Um, so many people wait till for the like right time with quotes. <laughs> you yes. Know? We're air um, quoting over the radio here because <laughs> there is not a right time, but, no, there but is, there's bad and worse. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. I, I tell people if you are okay, you know, you're getting along and you're functioning and you're doing things for the kids, you can wait, you know, but a lot of times it's very tense and you're not getting along, and there are things going on between the two of you that the children see, feel, hear. And if you wait, it just makes them more uneasy, and it creates stress for them because they don't know what's going on. They think there's just tension in the relationship, and they, I remember one of my oldest child said, I thought you were going to tell me you had cancer. You know, like they go, they have these things in their head, they develop you know, a narrative because they don't know. So in general, I would say, if that's the case, don't wait. You know, if you want to wait till after the holidays, that's fine. But like people are very set about waiting till the children graduate from high school. And I think that is actually not a good thing because the children are going through such change when they're graduating from high school and going to college. This and on top of it is a big change, you know, big um, stressor. So if it's, if it's not good before that a year, two years, whatever, don't wait, um, until the kids graduate from high school, do it when it, when it, when you need to do it for Mm -hmm. the two of you. Gosh, I couldn't agree more with that. And I was chatting with an adult child of divorce whose parents waited. She was an only child. She could see that her parents were not in a loving relationship And a couple of interesting things she shared was one, then she felt guilty. Oh, they stuck around for me and they've been angry and grumpy with each other for all these years. And I'm, I'm the reason for that. I'm the reason they stayed. And that doesn't feel good. That feels like an enormous burden and responsibility. The other thing that I didn't anticipate was that when the divorce occurs after the child launches, whether that's to high school or college or even in their 30s or whatnot, we don't have any parameters of how our divorced family functions. When our children are still in our home, we start to make some family agreements about how we do holidays and how we spend our time and how mom and dad interact. And uh, there's an incubator for us to create what that new family looks like. Whereas once we've moved into adulthood, 
like you said, they're in the boomerang age of going to college, launching, they're in their back, like, where's my home? Everyone sold all the houses. I don't have a childhood place anymore. Have you found this to be true as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a friend who was like 50 and her parents got a divorce and it, she really had a tough time with it um, because you're right. Like when they're younger, they will go back and forth for different holidays um, and they'll get used to that and they'll understand that more. And as you get out of the house and, you know, launched, they, you know, really don't know what to do and, and you can try to do it on your own, but um, you know, they're there are co- pros and cons to every absolutely you know, situation. Absolutely. So that's why I don't think there's a right time Mm-mm. or a right age. You just have to know what's best for you and your soon to be ex. That's right. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about inside the divorce process and also what from your experience has brought you to this really important work that you're doing now, Jill, on behalf of uh, divorcing individuals really um, in all stages of the journey and for everybody to recognize that your story is unique, um, but there is support out there for you in your peers, in your neighbors, and in professionals like Jill Kaufman. Join us when we get back here at The Good Divorce Show. Stand by. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello and welcome back to The Good Divorce Show. Today, speaking with Jill Kaufman, who is the creator and founder of the Thriving Divorce Group, has many resources online. You can find her at Divorce Coach Jill. And we are chatting a little bit about your own journey through divorce and its highs and lows. Your divorce maybe had a few more lows than highs. And in the midst of we're now having, we've decided to get divorced, we're moving down the legal pathway, and there are so many assets to divide up. How did you and your husband navigate the home, the belongings in the home? What did you learn through your own process that you would remind 
those that are walking through that journey now? Right. So I wanted to get it over as soon as possible because it's so hard to live in the same house with your person you're going through a divorce with. And we put the the house on the market. Um, It wasn't a great market. And we got three offers that were below our asking price. And I was like, great, we're going to take one of these offers. And my ex-husband said, no way. And I was devastated. I mean, it was so awful. I was like, we are never going to sell this house at this price. I am going to be in this house with him in a horrible situation, bad for my kids. I mean, I was just so, so devastated. And um, after a little while, you know, of me trying to offer money to make up the difference that we were not going to get from the other people and my lawyers telling me, no, no, don't do that. And I, you know, I was just desperate, you know, Um, I realized that he wanted to stay in the house and I didn't want to move out of my marital home because I felt like that would be weird for my children that, you know, he would be in the marital home and they would be with him and I wouldn't be. But then I realized that he just didn't see himself putting together a home and that home was already put together and he was comfortable there. And he really needed emotionally, I think, to stay in the house. And once I recognized that and I looked around, I found a house two blocks away, a much smaller house, a house that I was closer to town. I just loved this house. I was like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be okay. And it's not about how big or small or where your house is or how long you've been in the house. It's what memories you make when you're there. And, you know, he made great memories in that house. And so like, I wish I had the foresight to know um, how it would turn out because it, and this is what I try to share with my clients is it does turn out. Okay. You know, you can't see it when you're going through it. It's so hard to see, what's happening, you know, a year from now, but you have to try to have perspective. I help people with that all the time. And then there's all the stuff in the house and it's extraordinary what people will start battling over the ugly couch that no one liked. It reminds me of the um, wagon wheel. And when Harry met Sally, when Harry met Sally, (laughs) (laughs) the reminder is that there is abundance that will be found and will happen. And the battle that you're fighting over, always asking that question, is this going to matter in five days, five weeks, five months, five years? It's amazing how much just starts not mattering at all. And the damage that we can do to the relationship on our way out the door. I remind people the marriage is ending or has ended But if you share children, the relationship has not ended. That is a forever relationship. So in the same way that we talk about fighting for our marriages and going to the counseling and getting all the experts and we're going to fight for it and we're going to survive this. What if we took that same energy once the decision of divorce was made and said, I'm fighting for the good divorce. I'm calling in the experts and the support and I'm going to be level-minded I'm going to put my best self into this conversation and there's going to be pain and loss and hurt, but that we don't have to only operate from that place of scarcity. Absolutely. I mean, that, that place is what makes people go down the bad divorce path. Path. And if you can recognize, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people I've worked with, they've all turned out not just okay, great. Is there any specific advice you would give in that process of mediators or coaches or therapists or lawyers, how to really navigate the the meat of the getting to divorce? And then there's the how to be divorced part, but the getting divorced part, what can help smooth that path? It's not that you don't need lawyers, but you don't start with a lawyer and let the lawyer, you know, be in charge of the divorce. So starting with a divorce coach is high on my list of one of the very important things to do and a divorce coach who has experience and who can guide you. So you don't need to use your lawyer as much. 
Um, but the, the main process that I tell people to work through if they can't do it on their own, which it's hard because there's a lot of things to think about, um, is mediation. And a lot of people talk about collaborative divorce and collaborative divorce is just, it's really working with lawyers. They're incentivized not to go to court. Mediation is you're sitting in a room with your soon to be ex and you're hashing through all of the things that you need to talk about um, in a you know productive, efficient way. And so I really highly, highly recommend mediation versus any other um, option when you're going mm-hmm. through divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm a trained divorce mediator. I have mediated divorces, but that's not what I do anymore. I just do the divorce coaching. Yes. There are even now certified divorce financial analysts. There's people really specializing in this field, which I think is such a gift to society because all the children in these divorced families for so long, the story was your children are going to end up in the toilet and they won't launch and they won't be successful and neither will you. And there just wasn't really much of a silver lining at all. How are your three kids doing? How have they come through the divorce process? Knock on wood, they're doing very well. I mean, and I do think it's because their dad and I have a good relationship, you know, don't have to worry about that. You know, that's not on their radar at all because we get along. They don't have to navigate even when there are still the parenting things. Um, my house, we he had the same punishment that he had at his dad's house. And, um, you know, he knew that we were both on the same page, so he couldn't really you know, go against that. And I think you have so much more strength when you're to get working together like that as parents, even as co-parents and, and you're divorced. And that unification cannot be underestimated. Uh, we are also about 10 years post-divorce and I can say we have a really delightful co-parenting relationship and also live in very close uh, within blocks of each other and our kids, the house becomes a little porous once they start driving, Oh yeah, have more independence. And, you know, I think people also who might have younger kids and think we're making all of these plans and this is the rigidity forever. And I think liberate your parenting plan. You may have something in place legally, but there is liberation and following the lead of the children and accommodating each other. Did you find that same porosity moving between houses and kids being a little more um, advocating for themselves and what they wanted and needed. Yeah. Um, well, my middle child from the beginning, he, he was 16 when we, when I moved out of the house and he was just like, I'm not going back and forth, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and forth for meals, but I'm going to sleep in one place. And he ended up sleeping in six months at his dad's and then six months at mine. Um, and so like, that's pretty much, you know, what he decided to do. Um, but my, you know, 12, almost 13 year old did go back and forth according to the very, you know, definitive boundaries there. As he started to drive, as he got older, later in high school, he did kind of do his own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but he still kept to the, the nights of where he, he wanted, you know, to keep, I think for him, it was organized. So he knew what was going to happen each night. Um, but yeah, you, I think it's good for the kids. If they want to be flexible, you need to honor that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that it will change. Our, our kids were quite young when they were, uh, when we divorced five and seven. And so having shorter two and three day stretches, um, that early attachment stage. And then at some point in middle school, and then we went to a week, right? It evolved. And then they're like, a week just feels like a ping pong. Can we go to two weeks? And we had a family conversation. And then here's your son saying, I'm not moving all my stuff all the time. This was your plan, not mine. And and it is disruptive. And I think that's another reminder when we talk about home life for parents to recognize that this is your responsibility and your decision-making. And when I hear parents being frustrated, like, oh, they forgot their tennis shoes and, oh, we don't have the homework assignment. And well, why is that still on your mom's refrigerator and not here? And I just think, give it a whirl living in multiple locations. There's a lot to keep track of and really encouraging parents to take a lead on the system, the communication, the gear, uh, particularly when your kids are young. That's on us. Yeah, absolutely. Then graduation comes along. 
these are one of those threshold moments. I remind people, you're, you do have a forever relationship if you share children. You will share the graduations, the grandbabies, the weddings, and the funerals. What did graduation day look like with your youngest son? Oh, it was great because I just wanted, I knew. He Maybe it was your middle son. No, Sorry. it's my youngest. Yeah. Okay. And, and he, he, I did this for him because his, it was very, uh, I knew all of his friends and he was very close with a lot of people. So I was like, I'm doing a big party for you in my backyard. I rented a tent and, and I didn't really ask his dad about it, but then his dad found out about it. And he's like, I want to do that with you. So he split the cost with me. He threw it with me. Um, all of his family was there. My family was there. Um, it was a lot different than the bar mitzvah because at the bar mitzvah, we were going through our divorce. It was so uncomfortable. It was really not, you know, my current husband who we weren't, we were just dating at that point, but he was there and um, it was great. I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful. I have one picture of the five of us, my ex and my three kids and me um, from that day. And it's like, we were all happy and smiling and truly it was a wonderful day and Mm. um, really special. So, Oh, that's so inspiring. And again, family means lots of different things and the family spirit can stay intact even when the marriage has dissolved. Absolutely. I mean, it, we are still, and we did do things together, like um, celebrate birthdays, the five of us. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's so much more relaxing and happy when you can get along. Absolutely. When we get back from our break, we're going to hear more about that after story and the getting along and some other examples, as well as how you're supporting people around the country as they move through divorce. Stay with us. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello and welcome back to The Good Divorce Show. I'm your host, Karen McNinney, chatting today with Jill Kaufman. 
Divorce coach, Jill, therapist, author, educator, parent guru. So happy to have your story, your own personal story of divorce being shared with us today, but also the insights and wisdom that have come with many years of supporting other families who are walking through this journey. Just before the break, we were talking about that evolution over time where you begin to have family gatherings together, where you can find a way to be in the same room in the interest of your children and their experience. And that also extends to grandparents. I think we underestimate the impact of divorce on the grandparents and how it can change that relationship in their own little heartbreak for their grandchildren who are now going to be children of divorce. Your mom has had an important part in your life and your children's life. Tell us more about that. Oh my gosh. My mom is, was awesome. But I remember when I told her I was getting divorced, you made me think of a a story and she said, well, why don't you just join a golf club? I think that was really good for my marriage. That'll save your marriage. (laughs) That is some wise advice from the 1950s. And I was like, mom, it's much more complicated than that. She was very, very supportive. Um, Although I I do think a membership to the golf club would be less expensive than a divorce. Yes, that's true. You're absolutely right. When I, you know, was having meals with my son and it was my parenting time, a lot of times it was just me and him. My mom lived five minutes away in an assisted living and I would bring her at least once a week, probably twice a week um, to have dinner with us. And whenever my mom came, it was a totally different experience. My son was happy. He felt like it was a family. We were together. Um, It was like very, very special um, when she was there and he was there and, and we were together, Um, you know, and she has since passed and, you know, he'll always have several years of having his grandmother at dinner with me, you know, and, and that's part of his high school experience. And it's very special. Very special. My parents also live in the town where uh, we've been raising our children and that multi-generational, it's good for all of us on every front for different reasons. What a sweet blessing. And the family, you know, continues to evolve and grow and you move on in your life. So now you're a single woman out in the world. And the prospect of repartnering is another question that comes up a lot. How to do it? What's the right time? What? How, how do we introduce the kids and the impact? And once again, it sounds like you have found this lovely little journey for you and your family, a new love in your life. Yeah. So um, I always tell people, you know, when you're on your own time, do whatever you want. But when you're with your children you don't need to introduce a new person so quickly. So I recommend if you're dating someone from at least nine months to a year and a half before you introduce them to your children. And I know people are like, that's a really long time. And how do I do that? And, you know, you have, hopefully you have time if you have a co-parent on your own. So use that time on your own to see the person, to have the relationship, but it forces the relationship to go slowly. And I think that's so, so important. My relationship was in long distance. I was in New Jersey. He was in Colorado. We took it so slow, um, like once a month in the beginning. And um, it was great because I was able to really be on my own. I was able to really know what that's like. And it was hard, you know, it, you, you celebrate holidays on your own. You're lo- alone a lot. It, you know, I was alone when my son was at his dad's. And so you're in the house alone, but you need to have that time so that you can develop And I ask all my clients, what makes you happy? So many of them don't have an answer. And I say, think back to like when you were, before you were married, what did you do? What, what, what are things that made you happy in that pre-marriage life? And it's so hard for so many people and me too, you know, because it's, it's, your life is so different now as with children and as you move on. So, um, so it's really an amazing time that you learn to find what makes you happy and you learn to like being alone so that being alone is not lonely. That is something that you look forward to. And I think that's so important for everybody going through divorce. 
Gosh, I could not agree more. And it is hard. We It seems like the simplest thing, but to to fall in love with yourself again, to know what's important to you, to re-identify outside of a partnership, and then take that into a new partnership. Do you feel like a new woman showed up in your new marriage? And what would you say by way of thanks to the to the first husband? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to learn from your first relationship so that you don't make the same mistakes. Our first marriages, those deep relationships after every breakup, they're not for nothing. Uh, there was a love story. There's often children that came from love and it is a classroom. And hopefully yeah. we brought some lessons with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, my ex-husband, when we were young, you know, we maybe had our first child, but I was in my 20s. Um, he would bring me flowers. And after like the second time, I said to him, you know what? You know, the flowers die. It's a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money. And so I was like, you, you don't have to bring me flowers like that. And he was like, a little insulted <laughs> and he didn't bring me flowers ever again. And I was like, shoot, you know, like Ouch. I should never have said that to him. Um, and you know, in my, with my current husband, when he, we started dating, we were long distance. So he sent me flowers a number of times. And I, every time I was like, they are so beautiful. I love them. And like, he, um, he never got that message from me. So that's just a little teeny example of something that you can learn from, you know, your experiences and take it into your next relationship. And this new partner, how did it unfold? He also has three children. You brought three children. You dated a long time before getting married. Give us a little insight as to how those introductions went. And were you a full-on blended family? Did you maintain some boundaries? Yeah. Well, so my kids were in New Jersey. His was in, were in Colorado. There were many boundaries there. So, um, but we, as we started getting serious, he suggested that we go on vacation together with all of our children. And I was like, no, that's not right. We shouldn't put them in that situation. But my children had met him. We had been dating for a long time. I had met his children. So it wasn't like a brand new um, Had the kids met each other? The, um, my youngest did meet all of his kids. Cause he would come with me to Colorado and he met them, but my middle one never did. And my oldest one just refused to be involved. <laughs> he was like, I'm too old. They're younger. You know, you do your thing, but I'm not coming. And so it was really just my two kids and his three kids. And we had a number of really fun vacations. And, and you waited, you were very thoughtful about when you would remarry unpack that a little bit for us and the thinking that went into it. So I was not in a rush, you know, I had been in a 20 year marriage um, and we got, we did decide to get engaged and we were engaged for like two and a half years. I wanted to wait until his youngest, because my children had all left, you know, and, and um, left the house and gone to college and launched. And I wanted to wait till his youngest had gone to college. So we got married August of 21 his youngest went to college September of 2021. 20, so it was, um, it was planned that way. Cause I, I, you know, we didn't have like the typical blended family where we all live together and, you know, that's fine. If people want to do that, I just didn't want that. You know, I wanted us to have very different and I was with his children a lot more once my children weren't there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did spend a lot of time with them, um, before they left for college, but, um, we never had all the children in the house together, but we do see each other. Um, we just spent Christmas together with all the crazy flight cancellations. We all made it um, five out of the six children. Um, and my sixth child, actually my oldest did spend several like vacations. He came to Colorado once and um, we did all the six of us do things together. So he did, he has spent time with his kids, with my husband's kids. So it just, it works, you know, however it works. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and and until you try it, you maybe don't know what works. And, right. and so having a heart of, you know, what I call experimentation, try, try something, but be open enough to know and to notice what's working, what needs work, what we need to change. And that don't be so, um, you know, into the permanence of decisions or expectations around how something will go or won't go. 
Absolutely. I'm always curious. You were sharing with us how your ex-husband and you over time developed, you know, a really healthy relationship, really great co-parenting and unified. What happens when the new fella shows up on the scene and you start vacationing and then you get married? How did that impact, if at all, your co-parenting relationship? So I had a unique situation. Um, My ex-husband went to college with me and so did my current husband and my ex-husband knew him and really liked him. Get out of town. What are the chances? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So when it it really was not any kind of stressful situation, he liked, he already knew him. He liked him. He's very positive about him interacting with, you know, our, our kids. And um, so we, I was lucky in that respect. So. Oh, that's so fortunate. And you now also live in two locations, not unlike a child of divorce. Yes. Yes. We spend spring and fall in Princeton, New Jersey and winter and summer in the mountains in Colorado. So we, he gets to see, he's actually skiing right now with his son. (laughs) And when we're in Princeton, we get to see my, more of my kids. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my kids is in Chicago, one's in New York, one's in Rochester, but we do see, you know, each of our kids when we're at each, each house more. So you make the rounds. Yeah. And you got bonus children out of the deal. Yes. Yeah. It's it's great. It remind people that bonus parents and and children and that these families can grow again. It's not about taking away in the scarcity model, but really looking at the abundance of what is ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, th- there's an interesting story. So my youngest was really into sports. My older two not into sports at all. And one of my husband's sons, his middle one, is in to sports. So he always wanted to have a brother who he could watch sports with and do sporting things. And now he's got a stepbrother who he can do that with. So, you know, and, and it's funny because um, his older and younger um, children really bond with my middle son. So like, you know, it, there's more people to kind of get along with. Um, and it, it's interesting to see the dynamic. Oh, that's beautiful. That makes my heart just sort of happy and excited for all of them that they found each other through this path that, again, none of us would necessarily choose, but we can choose what we make of it. You're such an expert in the field, Jill, but what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started down the divorce path? Um, I think the biggest thing is that I everybody would be okay. You know, mm-hmm. like my kids, I was really, really worried and we went through some rough years, I have to say. Sure. Um, we all went through some really rough years, but they're all doing really, knock on wood, really well. And um, they're, that's that was my biggest worry, you know, would they be okay? And kids are okay if their parents are okay, you know? And so it's really important for parents to do whatever they need to do to be okay, to get the support that they need. It's not an extravagance to have a divorce coach. It's not an extravagance to have a therapist if that's what you need. You know, um, those things are so important for your children. Mm. And you speak such truth. When the parents are doing okay, the kids do okay. And I've always been a believer, divorce isn't what screws up kids. Bad behaving adults is what screws up kids. Yeah. I mean, there's research to validate that. So it's not just what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I appreciate the backup. (laughs) Tell us about how we find you, the resources, what you have done in your own professional pursuits to create more soft landings for families moving through divorce. So I have so many supports. I have a free Facebook group called separation and divorce support community where you can post anything. I, you know, I do a Facebook live in there every Monday and it's just a great free resource for people as they go through divorce. Um, And I I have found, like you said, suddenly you find a community where people, they can relate They can ask questions, they can ask advice, and there's such value in just that peer-to-peer, right, divorce peer, and sometimes getting the reverse perspective of, I'm feeling this way about my spouse, and there's such and such and such, and then someone else is like, well, 
that's me. I'm the one who's still in the marital home. And we can find a place of empathy and understanding by communicating and connecting with people who have gone before us and who will come behind us in this journey. Absolutely. So the Facebook, give us the name again of the Facebook group. Separation and Divorce Support Community. And it's a non-judgmental group. Like there's no judgment, no matter what, you know, that's what I focus on. Um, I've also written a book. I'm getting divorced now. What? And it's really just kind of a a step-by-step guide through all the emotional and practical stuff that you have to go through when you're going through divorce. And the book is a um, structure for my group coaching program, Thriving Through Divorce. Um, It's a 12-week program, which has group coaching and office hours and um, smaller groups where you connect with other people who are going through it. And it's just a, a, an amazing program, transformational program. And that's an evergreen group, um, which means people can join on a rotating basis. You don't have to wait. You might be hearing this message today and thinking, I need support. You may start at the Facebook page. Your uh, webpage where people can find out more about these resources, Jill? So my website is divorcecoachjill.com. And um, I have an Instagram, Divorce Coach Jill. <laughs> so it's pretty simple. You can find me any of those places. And my email is info at divorcecoachjill.com. Mm-hmm. And if you were to give just a, a little soundbite to our listeners today, or some bit of hope and inspiration beyond knowing your kids are going to be okay, uh, what might those words be? So I think the inspiration is, Whatever you your intention is, you can get there. It just takes work, you know? And if you do the work, you'll get there. So what you want in your life, figure that out. Have your goals, get an intention for what you want, and then do the work, you'll get there. Oh, Jill Barnett Kaufman, licensed clinical social worker, licensed therapist, divorce coach, author and co-parenting expert. Such a delight to have you with us on the Good Divorce Show today. Thank you for your mission-based work, along with myself and many others who are actively working to change the negative narrative of divorce and to help people find a path less destructive, less despair, less debt. And remember, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week. Oh, 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 oh,